month, we've been looking at what we as a congregation, what we as a church value, what we hold dear. We've called it elements of our DNA. It's our very fabric. From the very beginning when this was just a couple of couples meeting in a living room to what it is now. This is something that's been a part of us from the very beginning. And it's not something that we created. It's not something that we kind of stacked hands on as this sounds good and this would look good on a website and all those kinds of things. It's just, it's just the scripture. It's, it's not our idea. It's, it's Jesus' idea. And so we've looked at hospitality, the very heart of God. What is grace but hospitality? Come. And I said in the, in the southern NIV, y'all come. Right. We looked at community, not for community's sake, that's self-absorption. Community for community's sake is a community, of a circle that's facing inward so that no one else can get in. Community for community's sake creates us and them, and there is no us and them, it's just us. And that's where evangelism comes in. But what is evangelism but one beggar telling another where to find food? It's telling story. It's, it's telling my story. It's you telling your story of what God has done. That's evangelism. And discipleship. Discipleship, not just being a believer. Not just a follower, but a disciple. Growing in Jesus. Committing all that I know of myself to all that I know of him and, and growing as a disciple. And then last week we looked at prayer. Communication. Talking to a holy God. Listening to a holy God. Prayer. The miracle of prayer. We sort of stopped at that point. We could have kept on going. And so this week I decided we will keep going. This week we want to look at what we've been doing since we've been here. And that's worship. Looking at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, which Lisa just read. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. 
send me. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Worship, very simply, is not for us. Worship is a gift that we give to someone else. And in its appropriate and proper place, worship is for God. The origin of our word worship is similar to the word worth. We think about what something is worth, its value or or, or how much it, it, it exists as. In Revelation, one of our, our great sources of teaching about worship, we hear the refrain, you are worthy, our Lord and God. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. That's Revelation 4, verse 11. You see, worship is not about us. It's not for us. Worship is for a holy God. But we can lose sight of this truth, I think. Sometimes newer folks are, will come up to me after the service. And they'll say something along the lines of, we're church shopping. And that's great. And, 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 and we have a great conversation. And, and sometimes in that conversation, I hear a version of that old refrain from that very old fairy tale. You know the one. The soup was too hot. Soup was too cold. But this soup was just right. And to be sure, part of, part of that shopping list of church shopping is quote, end quote, worship. We form opinions about all of life. We are comparison shoppers. The thrifty of us always find the best of deals. And then we like to talk about those great deals that we found, right? <laughs> this has spilled over into worship over the past several decades. The church in America in particular, in the West. Some observers have described this as the worship wars. Can those two words belong together in the same phrase. Contemporary versus traditional. My favorite style versus your favorite style. And music often becomes the centerpiece, the focus, and the scapegoat in all of this. Well, I like that song, but it was played too slow. Oh, I like that song, but it was way too fast. I like that song, but drums, really? so on and so on and so on. It's only funny because you know it's true. <laughs> now there is, to be sure and to be true, profound worship in any style. But going down that road of style leads us to the wrong place because it places everything in the context of my preference or your taste. And worship, church, is not about me, it's about God. Worship is unique in that it is not about your preference or mine at all. 
It's something else altogether. It's not for us. It is for God. It is the offering of our very best selves to a holy God. There's a deep biblical tradition of worship, of giving our best offering, our first offering, the first fruits of the harvest to God. Christians, believers, worship on the first day of the week. This is not the week end. We are at the week's beginning. And we are gathered together to give our best, to give our first fruits, the first act we do in this week, before we go to school, before we go to work, before we go to the, the activities at infinitum. We stop and we come together as God's people to worship a holy God at the beginning of the week. Because worship is not about us. It's for him. Sunday is the first day. It's not the last. And God's people were instructed to give their first fruits to God. Worshiping is offering our best selves, our real selves, to a holy God. And we see a, an incredibly rich picture of what worship looks like in this sixth chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah is in the temple. He's overwhelmed with the beauty and the glory of God. And he hears the voices singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Verse 3. There's, there's nothing other than an experience of praise. Then something happens. After praise, if, if it's an authentic worship, an experience of the holy, we see ourselves perhaps in a different way. Isaiah makes a confession, an acknowledgement, a true statement about himself. Woe is me. I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. And I live in the midst and among a people of unclean lips. This worship has led to a true and right self-diagnosis. When we worship God, we are somehow changed. This is not the purpose of worship. It's not about us. But by experiencing a holy God, how can we not be transformed? How can we not come face to face with who he is and who I am? Then there's good news. There's an intervention. Our guilt is taken away. Our sins are forgiven. The, the, the God of scriptures is powerful and mighty, holy and beyond us. But at the same time, gracious, merciful, steadfast and abounding in love. Because the love of the Lord endures forever. But more about that next week. But our guilt is taken away. Our sins are forgiven. But that's not the end of worship. That would be enough. But that's not the end. Worship is more than a relationship between God and the individual. When, when worship is authentic, when it is an experience of the holy, there is unfinished business. Because you see, holy God then has our attention. The audience of one has our attention. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, 
Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, Here I am, Lord. Send me. If we've entered into the world of, of the Scripture, if we've, if we've looked at it, we, 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 we're a long way away from church shopping with a punch list of things, of programs, of X's and O's. Important though they are. When we've entered into worship, we're a long way from sizing up the deity that matches our temperaments and taste, our styles and our status. The roles have been reversed. The world has been turned upside down and all of a sudden we are a part of someone else's agenda instead of him and my worship being about mine. Worship is about praise, confession, forgiveness. And from worship there flows the desire and the call to reflect God's glory beyond the temple, beyond the congregation, beyond the building, outside to the world. So there's an invitation with worship. Whom shall I send and who will go for me? Who will go for us? Then there's a response. Here am I, send me. You see, worship is not about us. Yet when we have worshipped God Almighty, we are transformed. And we have begun to experience the, the new creation that the scripture talks about. And we're filled with a deep desire to reflect God's glory to the world. Beginning right in the home that we live in. Without worship, everything else is threatened. We see our gifts as our own possessions. And we start to leverage them against other quote-unquote possessions. We see the world as a, as a resource to be used. We see our neighbor as competition for the goods that we seek for ourselves. And the truth is whatever spin we can put on it. Without worship, we easily deceive ourselves. Without worship, I deceive myself and I ignore others. And my world becomes very simply mine. And I start to change light bulbs by holding the bulb while the world revolves around me. Without worship, I, I wander off into all kinds of places. And none of them is the destination that God wants for, for me to be in. Passionate worship changes all of life. I confess that I, I consider worship to be something of a miracle. I've had worshipful experiences in this room where I'm overcome. I've had worshipful experiences on my motorcycle going down the road while I have to pull over because I'm overcome. It's not about a place. 
or style. It's not about drums or guitars. It's about a holy God. Sometimes someone might make a comment <clears throat> to me like, hey, our, our, our attendance was a little down this morning. They're trying to build me up, I think, when they say that. <laughs> My thought is usually I'm just amazed that anyone comes here at all. <laughs> For real. Why would anyone, especially in the months coming up, November, December, January, February, March, April, and let's be real, the first part of May. <laughs> Why would anyone get out of the comfort and the warmth of their own bed on a Sunday morning, put gasoline in their cars, hope and pray they can make it up the road, search for a parking place that sometimes is too far away, Drink coffee that may not be as good as the coffee you make at home or the Starbucks you buy on the way in. Sit in a room which is probably going to be either too hot for you or maybe too cold for you. And both at the same time somehow. <laughs> and sit beside someone you, you may not even know. Why would people do this? On the surface, it... it it makes absolutely no sense. You're too busy to do something like that but God. Unless God who is real, who is above us, who is beyond us, but is also beside us and in us, who is in front of us, behind us, above us, below us, that God, holy God, has called us here as an audience of one, or he is the audience of one for us to worship him. Worship's not about us. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With, with two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And the whole earth is full of his glory. Am I paying attention to that? At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me. I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I have had an experience with holy God. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Glory be for the cross and the resurrection. And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? 
And in response to all that I had seen and experienced and encountered, I said, here am I. Send me. Amen.